Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'ah. Allahumma arinal hakka hakkan varzukna ittiba'a. وَأَرِنَلْ بَاطُلَ بَاطُلًا وَرْزُقْنَا اجْتِنَابَ رَبِّ شْرَحْ لِسَدْرِي وَيَسْتِرْ لِأَمْرِي وَحْلُ الْأُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the addendum of the 27th word. The 27th word is about ijtihad, exerting our utmost in order to come close to what pleases God when we are faced with decisions in life based on, based on what God tells us about what pleases him in the Quran and through his prophet in the prophetic traditions sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this is not a free open-ended decision-making process there are stipulations among those stipulations at the first at the beginning of course is the source of the information that we need the scripture and the prophetic traditions and then come the companions who convey those to us and also who interpreted them based on what they learned from the Prophet and then come the interpretations of the followers of the companions and then come the interpretations of all the scholars who have followed them beginning with the founding Imams, founding leaders of the four Ahlal Sunnah, uh, four mainstream schools of jurisprudence. The question is, is it possible for us to do ijtihad? This was the question that Ustad Nursi started with, because that was something that was discussed at the time that he was writing this in the 1920s. Uh, it was a question that was raised in the late 19th century, early 20th century. And it is still relevant. Sometimes the naming changes. At that time, they were asking, can we do ijtihad? They were saying, are the gates of ijtihad still open? And some said it was closed, some said it was open. Nowadays, sometimes they talk about reforming Islam. More or less the same thing. But importantly, not reforming ourselves according to Islam. It is reforming Islam. Islam is God's religion. God gives the religion. Who are we to reform it? The question is, what is the position of the scripture, the prophetic traditions, and the interpretations of those who have come before us, especially starting with the companions of the Prophet Can we claim to understand the scripture and the prophetic traditions better? better than the companions or the followers of the companions or the great imams of the founders of our schools of jurisprudence or uh, by some extension schools of theology and so on and so forth. 
is that possible? Ustad Nursi gave us a very elaborate answer. He said that the gates are open, but we do not have the license to go through them because we do not qualify. If the qualifications are met, the gates are open, but it is difficult to almost to the extent of impossibility for us as people who are living in the circumstances of the world that we live in to qualify to go through. The addendum that followed this, this discussion, is mostly about the primacy of the companions, superiority of the companions to the rest of humanity other than the prophets. And this is an important point of discussion because those who claim to come out and reform Islam are basing their arguments in contradiction to the ways that Islam has been interpreted by the companions and those who have followed their example thereafter. So this is a very problematic attempt and it doesn't have uh, the necessary qualifications and importantly foundations to make the claim that it does make. So Stad Nursi discussed the superiority of the companions and then uh, later on some of his students it seems have asked him questions that would be relevant and here he is adding his responses to those questions at the end of uh, in fact the, at the end of the addendum of the 27th word. We read the first question, now we are going to read the uh, second question and Ustad Nursi's response to it. Bismillah. İkinci sual, the second question. Diyorlar ki, ehli velayet ve ashab-ı kemalat dünyayı terk etmişler. They say that the people of sainthood and the possessors of perfections have renounced the world. The people throughout history, and it may be now too, that we recognize as saints of God, as awliya, those who have drawn close to God, to the extent that God has recognized them as his friends, companions, awliya, wali. So those people of sainthood and the possessors of perfections, ashab kemalat, like they have renounced the world. So renunciation of the world then is a appears to be a good thing that that throughout history uh, that has been attributed to sainthood and and perfection. Hatta hadiste var ki dünya muhabbeti bütün hataların başıdır. It is even mentioned in the hadith in a prophetic tradition that the love of the world, dunya, is the font, fountainhead, of all mistakes. Halbuki sahabeler dünyaya pek çok girmişler. Terki dünya değil. Belki bir kısım sahabe o zamanın ehli medeniyetinden daha ileri gitmişler. That being said, the companions have become involved in the world extensively. Let alone renouncing the world, some of the companions have surpassed even the civilized peoples of that time, of their time, 
and here the civilized peoples of course we need to understand this by juxtaposing the arab society in which islam was first born in which the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam proclaimed his message and then and this message was institutionalized in practice we juxtapose that with the other peoples who were living around that society for instance the, the byzantine empire or the sasanians the iranians the the byzantines and the, the, the and the iranians both had uh, long-standing sedentary civilizations they built buildings they uh, organized society at a much larger scale than the early arabs they passed laws and then they also cultivated the arts and literature and so on and so forth the arabs also had literature and they had elaborate literature but they did not have great architecture for instance they did not have a large societal organization they lived in tribes so Ustad Nursi is paraphrasing this question that was asked to him by saying that some of the companions companions have actually surpassed those civilized peoples of their time they conquered Iran brought the Sasanian Empire to an end they conquered quite a bit of land from the Byzantine Empire they uh, took over Egypt they went all the way to Spain and settled in Spain so they organized a very large and very powerful empire and then they excelled in architecture they excelled in trade they surpassed them and this is involvement in the world on, on the face of it at least this is involvement in the world so at the beginning we said we put renunciation of the world as a almost a condition we attributed it to sainthood and perfection and we are saying that the companions are superior to all all the rest how can they be involved in the world to such extent and still be superior that is the question that what we have already read in this question evokes nasıl oluyor ki böyle sahabelerin en ednasına en büyük bir veli kadar kıymeti var diyorsunuz so this being said how can you then say that the lowest of such companions has as much value as one of the greatest among the saints or even superior it is said that the lowest uh, the, the one with the lowest rank among the companions was wahshi the the, the slave who killed hamza radiallahu anh, wahshi radiallahu anh, who killed hamza radiallahu anh. and we, we say hamza of course was radiallahu anh, the the uncle of the prophet and we say radiallahu an for both of them may god be pleased with both of them so washi although it is said that he was the lowest among the companions he is the superior to the highest among the saints that come thereafter after the companions and we explained why this is the case in the earlier discussions in this in the series in, in the in our readings of the 27th word based on Ustad Nursi's explanations of course so those who may be confused a little bit about that can go back and listen uh, to the addendum of the 27th word or read it from Ustad Nursi's words so what what how is this happening how is the lowest among the companions superior to the 
greatest among the saints. And it is possible Ustad Nursi will now explain it to us. Answer. And it is a, it is a there is a great secret in this. It is something that should that can really help us organize our relationship with the world, organize our daily affairs, organize our attitude to the world. So let's read it. Al Jawab answer. Otuz ikinci sözün ikinci ve üçüncü mevkıflarında gayet kati ispat edilmiştir ki dünyanın ahirete bakan yüzüyle esma-i ilahiyeye mukabil olan yüzünü sevmek sebebi noksaniyet değil belki medarı kemaldir ve o iki yüzde ne kadar ileri gitse daha ziyade ibadet ve marifetullah'ta ileri gider. It is proven most definitively in the second and third stopping stations of the 32nd word that. Now the 32nd word in there there is a, a an elaborate discussion of the question of love. And inshallah we will come to that point but those who are curious can go ahead and read again the second and third stopping stations mevkuf in Turkish of the 32nd word. It is proven most definitively in the second and third stopping stations of the 32nd word that loving that aspect of the world that looks or relates to the hereafter and that faces divine names is not a cause of deficiency but in fact a source of perfection. This, were, this, this came up before in our discussions but very briefly the world the phenomena that we see around, the cosmos, our bodies, our homes, our uh, possessions, the, the streets that we walk, the trees that we see, the sky, everything in the creation that we interact with. The world has multiple aspects. One of those aspects is the one that looks to the hereafter for instance we are tested in this world and as an outcome of that test we are rewarded or punished in the hereafter therefore as the prophet وسلم, said this world is like a cultivating field for the hereafter we sow here and we harvest we reap in the hereafter so that's one aspect. The world has a face that looks to the hereafter. And there is a loftier face. The face of the world, the cosmos, that looks to, that faces the Creator, God, the divine names. Everything in the, in the creation is a manifestation of God's divine names and attributes. And in that regard, as manifestations of divine names and attributes, the, the world is not lowly. We cannot say that. The world is lofty. Lofty. Because it is reflections of the divine. But that's, a, that's an aspect of the world. That's not the world itself. That's an aspect. It has multiple faces. And then there is a last face that looks to itself. It's it's transient matter. In that regard, 
that aspect of the world is lovely but when we talk about the world we need to make clear which aspect we are referring to so Ustad Nursi says loving that aspect of the world that looks or relates to the hereafter and faces divine names here uh, imagine let's say a mirror that, that that faces a source of light right and faces divine names is not a cause of deficiency but in fact a source of perfection the more you love it the better why because if you are not loving the material Ustad Nursi calls uh, there's the nominal aspect of the world right manai ismi if you are not attached or in love with the nominal aspect of the world but you see beyond that what Ustad Nursi calls elsewhere the indicative manai harfi aspect of the world that looks that faces the divine names through the world you are making a means to love the divine names and ultimately the entity the thought essence of God to, to love God so if the world becomes a means for you to love your Lord that's fine if the world if your love of the uh, of the world becomes a means for you to cultivate it for the hereafter therefore you are not loving the world itself but what the, the potential that it has to produce in the hereafter that the world is a means for used for you to reach the company of the prophet وسلم, in jannatul firdaus in the in the uh, paradise of firdaus the the world is if you use it in the right way a means for you to reach the ru'ya, the countenance of your lord in the in the jannah so if that is the objective that is where you are trying to go and the world is just the means for for for you to reach there then that's fine it's not a source of cause of deficiency but in fact a source of perfection to the extent that one excels in relation to those two faces one excels in the in worship and the knowledge of god would increase so love for those two faces involvement with those two faces of the world is actually a means for one's increase in worship and the knowledge of god how do we know god we know god through his signs where are his signs they are in the world they are in the creation they are signifiers of our lord's names and attributes and that is the one way that we can know about him sahabelerin dünyası ise işte o iki yüzdedir and the world of the companions pertain to those two faces dünyayı ahiret mezrası görüp ekip biçmişler they have seen or considered the world to be a cultivating field based of course on the prophetic tradition sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem to be a cultivating field for the hereafter and thus they have sown and reaped it mevcudatı esma ilahiyenin aynesi görüp müştakane temaşa edip bakmışlar they have seen the existent beings as mirrors of divine names and thus they have gazed at them with yearning observation they went out looked at the firmament the sky on a clear night 
and fell in love with the one who creates it with such beauty and, and, and majesty. Fenai dünya ise fani yüzüdür ki insanın hevesatına bakar. As for what is bad of the world that pertains to its transient face and looks or relates to man's vain desires. Men's vain desires. We all have desires in this world that the, the source of which is our lowly souls. That is where the bad of the world comes from and relates to. And, and we need to train our lowly souls in order not to lead us astray into what is forbidden. So even there, there is a recognition that we have to live in this world and these desires are there. They are desires. We cannot not have them. They are given to us and there is great benefit and wisdom in that too because that's where the trial and tribulation comes from and that is trial and tribulation is an opportunity for us to excel in our ranks. That's what one of the things that make us different from angels and that make us superior to the angels. They are they are stagnant. They stay where they are. On the other hand, human beings are, are given the opportunity and ability to excel. And that's a big difference, right? But we need to train our lower souls so that they don't push us beyond what God has decreed to be okay, permissible. Because as long as we stay in the realm of that permissible, we are recognizing our Lord as our Lord. We are recognizing His majesty and power and the position as the, the ultimate lawgiver. And that is a recognition of our Lord and therefore it is fine. But if he don't train the lower soul and it listens to the Satan and together they push us beyond what is permissible, beyond that safe circle, then there's a problem. Then the world starts to produce what is bad of it. And we start taking that. And that's really not something that we want to do. But that's not, that's not what the companions did. The companions trained their lower souls to, to stay within that circle. The Prophet ﷺ trained them, taught them, disciplined them to stay within that circle that is permissible. And they stayed in there and they also enjoyed the world in order to cultivate their knowledge of God, to, to know more, more about the Lord. That is, that is okay and that is wonderful. That's a good thing. We want that. We praise the companions for having done that. Therefore, renunciation of the world is not only about just staying away from it, not partaking at all from it. Renunciation of the world is the renunciation of the nominal aspect of the world because there is a lot to be learned from the other aspects of the world. One who renounces the world altogether like a monk who goes to a, a 
monastery and, and lives a life of asceticism and privation and so on and so forth well there, there is a the opportunity cost of that is great so the companions because they train their lower souls were both able to stay within the realm of the uh, permissible and benefit from all those opportunities and that's why they are higher in rank they are higher in rank because they took advantage of all the opportunities. What a difference between the one who does not take off any of those opportunities and stays within the realm of the permissible and therefore does not do harm but does not accrue much benefit either and those who do not do harm plus accrue all the benefit. That is what the companions did. Üçüncü sual, the third question. Tarikatlar hakikatlerin yollarıdır. The Sufi orders, tarikas are the pathways of truths. Tarikatların içerisinde en meşhur ve en yüksek ve caddi kübra iddia olunan tarika nakşibendi hakkında o tarikatın kahramanlarından ve imamlarından bazıları esasını böyle tarif etmişler. It is said about the nakşibendi Sufi order, which is claimed to be the best known and the most elevated with the broadest avenue among the Sufi orders that some of the heroes and imams of that Sufi order have defined its essence as follows. So before we go on to what the, those imams and heroes have said, Ustad Nursi was born in uh, Eastern uh, Anatolia, in the Kurdish regions of Eastern Anatolia in the late 19th century. And in the late 19th, early 20th centuries, the Naqshbandi Sufi order was very prominent, both in this region and throughout the world. It is still very prominent in this region, in, um, in, in, in South Asia, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan. It is uh, the most prominent Sufi order in that broad uh, geography. And there was a period in the mid to late 19th century when the Naqshbandi Sufi order really spread all around the world. So Ustad Nursi is writing from that background at the time that he lived and he was writing this the Naqshbandi Sufi order appeared to be the the uh, most prominent Sufi order and his point here is not to claim the superiority of one Sufi order over another that's that's not his position what he is saying is this is the one that is said to be the greatest at this time the most elevated with the broadest avenue among the Sufi orders and some of its heroes and imams are defining its essence as follows and that essence is to a large extent shared throughout all Sufi orders this notion of renunciation is an important aspect of tasawwuf purification of the, the the soul right and Ustad Nursi is not against that so don't take this wrong purification of the soul is something that's taught to us by the Prophet wasallam. but that purification the, the the, what is problematic here is, um, and that this is not what the, uh, the Sufi masters who are really trained in what they are doing and who know what they are doing do, this is not what they do. What is problematic is making the process of purification into the objective. The process is a means, not the objective. The process is a means to discipline the soul so that it stays within the, the, the realm of the permissible. Right, so they have said four renunciations are required in Naqshbandi Sufi order. Or actually, I did not read the uh, original of this. Demişler ki, and this is in Persian. Demişler ki, der tariqe Naqshbandi lazım emet çar terk, 
ترك دنیا، ترك عقبا، ترك هستی، ترك ترك Four renunciations are required or necessary in the Naqshbandi Sufi order. Renunciation of the world, renunciation of the hereafter, renunciation of existence, and renunciation of renunciation. What does that mean? Yani, tariq nakshide dört şeyi bırakmak lazım. Hem dünyayı, hem nefis hesabına ahireti dahi maksud hakiki yapmamak, hem vücudunu unutmak, hem ucbe fahre girmemek için bu terkleri düşünmemektir. That is, one must leave four things in the Naqshbandi Sufi order. Remember, Sufi orders are Sufi paths. One travels on this path. If you want to travel on the path of the Naqshbandi Sufi order, you need to, or you have to, renounce four things. And to the extent that you renounce them, you proceed on the path. What are they? Renunciation of the world. Not to make the world the actual objective. Then renunciation of the, of the hereafter. Or even the hereafter, when it is on account of the lower soul. Not to make the world the actual objective or even the hereafter if and when it is on account of the lower soul. If you are desiring hereafter for the lower soul, so there still is a problem there because there is a lot more to be sought in, in the hereafter. The lower soul is just a you know tiny aspect of it. The, the ability of the, the heart, the secret and all those other faculties to benefit from the hereafter is much higher. So you can seek the, the, the hereafter, but if you are seeking it only on account of the lower soul, there is a, a problem there. Then, renunciation of existence. What does that mean? Then to forget one's own existence. It's not about me. It is not about me. I am seeking a higher existence. I'm not going to focus on myself. I'm going to focus on the truly existent one. On the creator and the renunciation of renunciation now if i renounce the world and renounce the hereafter and renounce the existence and then i kept thinking about mashallah how well i did how well i did i renounced all of these things what's going on here and then not even to think about these renunciations so as to avoid vanity and pride Demek hakiki marifetullah ve kemalat-ı insaniye terk-i ile olur. In that case, true knowledge of God and, and human perfection is attained by renouncing all other than God. And, and this sentence has a question mark at the end. So the, it is, is that so? In that case, his true knowledge of God or our true knowledge of God and human perfection attained by renouncing all other than God. This is the question. Al-Jawab, answer. Eğer insan yalnız bir kalpten ibaret olsaydı, bütün masivayı terk, hatta esma ve sıfatı dahi bırakmak, yalnız Cenab-ı Hakk'ın zatına, zatına Rabd'ı kalbetmek lazım gelirdi. If man consisted of a heart alone, it would have been necessary to renounce all other than God, to leave even the names and attributes, and to attach the heart to the divine entity of the sublime real alone. So the heart, the 
the one of the most important functions of the heart is to attach value and and and by attaching value to be attached to things if the if a human being was uh, the heart alone if man consisted of a of the heart alone right it is not okay to attach the heart to anything other than god so we can take benefit from the real, from the material world we can live in it we can take means and so on and so forth we can uh you know have a house and and benefit from the house we can have a car and benefit from the car we can have a family and and uh, enjoy our family and so on and so forth but the heart ultimately needs to be attached to god and even when it attaches to other things it, that has to be on account of god that has to be because those are manifestations of god or those are means to take us to god so it is not okay for the heart to be attached to anything other than god we want Salim. Uh, we want a sound heart and the soundness of the heart the measure of that is that it is a, or one of the measures of that is that it is attached to god alone so if man consisted of a heart alone it would not be okay for this heart to interact with other things because its function its its job is defined right it would have been necessary to renounce all other than god to leave even the names and attributes because the names and attributes asma and and, and sufat these are intermediaries that help us connect to god's lot god's divine entity and that divine and divine entity is not something that we can conceptualize we we are even not supposed to try to conceptualize because god is the creator we are the created we live in a realm in which we do not have the capacity to conceptualize that this is like a dot living on a two-dimensional uh, page trying to imagine the or conceptualize the third dimension dimension there is no point of reference we do not have the points of reference in order to conceptualize god's divine entity but we know about him we know of him and how do we know we know through the intermediaries of the names and attributes that are manifest in the creation so it would be necessary to leave if it if, if man was heart alone it would be necessary to leave even the names and attributes and to attach the heart because it has this capacity right even though we don't we cannot conceptualize god's entity the heart can attach to it it would be necessary to attach the heart to the divine entity of the sublime real alone fakat insanın akıl ruh sır nefis gibi pek çok vazifedar letaifi ve hasseleri vardır but that is not the case man does not consist of a heart alone man has many faculties and essential properties hassa properties that define a human being that you cannot think of a human being without those properties the the properties that flow from a, a human being's um, essence man has many faculties and essential properties such as the intellect the spirit the secret and the lower soul the secret is uh, the the faculty to know god 
it is so subtle that it is almost impossible to diagnose and, and uh, define but uh, Sufi masters those who have excelled in the spiritual path and, and scholars have identified its existence and we all have it and its function is to know God remember we cannot conceptualize him but we can know him and the heart attaches right and the lower soul the nafs it is also given to us and it has a function the nafs enters jannah the nafs does not disappear the nafs increases in rank is disciplined is trained and once it is trained to a sufficient degree it is destined for jannah and it has a function in the jannah so man has many faculties and essential properties such as the intellect the spirit the secret and the lower soul so it's not only heart insanı kamil odur ki bütün o letaifi kendilerine mahsus ayrı ayrı tariqe ubudiyette hakikat canibine sevk etmek ile sahabe gibi geniş bir dairede zengin bir surette kalp bir kumandan gibi letaif askerleriyle kahramanane maksada yürüsün the perfect man insanı kamil right this is the ultimate goal that that tasawwuf the purification of the soul the science of the purification of the soul tries to take a human being to the perfect man the perfect man is the one who directs all those faculties now all those faculties are given to a human being in order to utilize not to disregard and the the utilization of all of those faculties each has a benefit the worshipful slavehood that we take before our lord is composed of the utilization of all of those faculties in the way that are meant to be used in the way that our lord wants us to use them because through the utilization of each of those faculties we get to know and recognize and worship our lord in different ways if we never got hungry how could we fast fasting is a worship and it is one of the benefits of it is the recognition of all of the blessings that our lord gives to us from him we recognize that they all come from him and we eat them we consume them with his permission and without his permission we cannot consume them by fasting we acknowledge him as the source as the provider so if we never got hungry we did not need nutrition how could we fast what would be the meaning of fasting right so the perfect man is the one who directs all those faculties each through their peculiar paths of worshipful slavehood so each of these faculties has a path of worshipful slavehood in the direction of truth in the direction that they are meant to be toward God and by doing so the perfect man walks heroically to the objective again to God as if the heart is a commander with those faculties as the soldiers 
right? The heart is not alone, but it is the commander. And it commands all those faculties toward the objective, like the soldiers that the commander commands, like the companions. This is what the companions have done. Like the companions, in a broad circle and in an opulent way. In a broad circle in the sense that by utilizing all of the those faculties and functions that we have, not narrowing the circle down to the heart alone and the commander walking alone and, and disregarding everything else and therefore being deprived of the worship of each of those different faculties right in a broad circle not in a narrow circle and in an opulent way because when this happens you have a variety of worship you have a, a rich array of worship yoksa kalp yalnız kendini kurtarmak için askerini bırakıp tek başıyla gitmek medar iftihar değil belki neticeyi ızdırardır otherwise leaving its soldiers behind and proceeding on its own in order to save itself alone is not something to be proud of for the heart. In fact, it may be the consequence of a state of dire circumstances. That is, it is not able to command all the other faculties. They are not listening to it and it's not able to train and discipline and control them. And therefore it finds itself in this circumstance in which the, the dire circumstance in which it cannot do the, the, the, the what perfection entails and therefore it does something else leaves them and moves on on its own so perfection entails that the heart does not leave everything alone and move on its own but rather commands and controls everything and directs them in the right direction and therefore therefore renunciation of the world means renouncing the aspect of the world that is not worth attachment renouncing the nominal aspect of the world but renouncing everything else actually deprives us from this rich array of worship narrows the circle of worshipful slavehood the world if utilized in the right direction is a means to reach God. So renunciation is still necessary. We, we will not say that, uh, you know, Turkey dunya, Turkey uqba, Turkey hasti, Turkey that is that's wrong. No, that is correct. But we need to understand it in the correct way. It is the renunciation of the nominal aspect of the world. Because otherwise, there's a value. There's a value in the indicative aspect of the world. And the aspect of the world that faces the hereafter. One can renounce all of that and limit oneself to the heart. And, and still, the, if the heart is attached to the divine uh, sublime real, to God, one goes to Jannah, one goes to paradise. But here we are talking about rank. Who has a higher rank? The one who uses all those faculties and worships God in this in this broad circle with all the faculties or the one who limits it so the companions did not disregard and give up those faculties but used them under the command of the 
of the heart in order to move all together in the direction of the objective which is attaining worshipful slavehood. Dördüncü sual. The fourth question. Sahabelere karşı iddiayı rüchan nereden çıkıyor? Kim çıkarıyor? Where is this claim about superiority over the companions coming from? Who is producing them? Şu zamanda bu meseleyi medarı bahsetmek nedendir? What is the cause or point behind bringing this matter up at this time? Hem müctehidini izama karşı müsavat dava etmek neden ileri geliyor? Moreover, what is the cause behind the claims of parity with the great müctehids? So if there is so much noise about this problem, this question, where is that coming from? Who is producing the questions? What is their purpose? Why are these people raising these questions? What is what is it that they want to achieve by raising these questions? El cevap. Answer. Şu meseleyi söyleyen iki kısımdır. There are two groups who mention this matter. Bir kısmı safi ehli diyanet ve ehli ilimdir ki bazı hadisi görmüşler şu zamanda ehli takva ve salahatı teşvik ve tergib için öyle mevhaslar açıyorlar. One of those groups are the genuine people of religion and the people of knowledge with pure intentions that they have seen some prophetic traditions and they initiate such discussions in order to encourage and hearten the God-conscious and righteous people at this time. So they have good intentions. They are people of religion. They are people of you know scholarship. They have good intentions, and they have seen these some uh, prophetic traditions. As we said before, there are some prophetic traditions that may be interpreted uh, in in one way, suggesting uh, some kind of superiority. And Ustad Nursi explained that before. This is particular superiority in with regard to particular matters. The the general universal superiority rests with the companions regardless but they have seen these uh, prophetic traditions and since this is a time when um, people are falling away from religion and there are so many pressures there is there's so much pressure on um, the, the religiosity of people they want to encourage people to to religion by suggesting that their rewards will be so big because the companions are big in the eyes of these people so if the reward that you may earn will be even bigger than that of the companions, that is that is really great. So they want to encourage people. They want to hearten people. Bu kısma karşı sözümüz yok. We do not have any words of objection to this group. Zaten onlar azdırlar, çabuk da intibaha gelirler. They are few at any rate and they wake up quickly. That is, they become aware of the, the problem of what they are suggesting and they recognize the problem quickly. Once the, the, the problem is explained to them, they understand and because their hearts are in the right place, they judge uh, accurately and they wake up, they, they stop pushing the matter. Diğer kısım ise gayet müthiş, mahrur insanlardır ki mezhepsizliklerini Müştehidin izama müsavat davası altında neşretmek istiyorlar ve dinsizliklerini sahabeye karşı müsavat davası altında icra etmek istiyorlar. The other, the other group are dreadful and prideful people. 
They want to spread their madhablessness under the claim of parity with the great mujtahids. So madhablessness, like madhab is a school of jurisprudence or school of theology. And madhabless, a person who does not have a madh madhab, right, does not follow any school. What that means is that this person does not follow any method, does not follow any standard. And when you don't have a standard to follow, when it comes to make decisions, you follow your vain desires because there is no standard to, to, to use against the pressure of the lower soul and the Satan and the world and so on and so forth. Right? So madhablessness is a problem. And these people who are uh, pushing these claims about parity with the mujtahids or parity with the Sahaba and so on and so forth, Ustad Nursi here says, they want to spread their madhablessness methodlessness in a, in a sense under the claim of parity with the great mujtahids and they want to practice their irreligiosity under the claim of parity with the companions and here irreligiosity uh, more specifically refers to the absence of the, the practice of religion they perhaps they want to uh, drink wine right and they and that that is absence of an aspect of religion in their life they want to practice that right under the claim of parity with the companions by finding an excuse through this claim of parity with the companions çünkü evvelen o ehli dalalet sefahate girmiş sefahatte tiryaki olmuş sefahate mani olan tekalifi şeriyeyi yapamıyor because, to, so we are trying to get to the root cause of this. Because, first of all, those people of misguidance have entered into dissipation. They have become addicted to dissipation. And they are unable to fulfill the shari responsibilities, God-given responsibilities that prevent dissipation. The, the shari commands, God, uh, the divine commands that prevent dissipation. Kendine bir bahane bulmak için der ki, şu mesail içtihadiyedirler, o mesailde mezhepler birbirine muhalif gidiyor, hem onlar da bizim gibi insanlardır, hata edebilirler, öyleyse biz de onlar gibi iştihat ederiz, istediğimiz gibi ibadetimizi yaparız, onlara tabi olmaya ne mecburiyetimiz var? So therefore they say, in order to find an excuse for themselves, in order to find an excuse to... Uh, continue in that state of dissipation but without feeling uh, the the um, compunction without feeling the pain of uh, not following the religion they are in that conflicted situation they cannot resist the demands of their lower souls and the vain desires they want to keep going it but they also don't want to feel bad about this and in order not to feel bad about this now they want to change the religion itself in order to find an excuse for themselves they say these are matters of ijtihad they are not clear in religion so there is room for ijtihad for these matters because ijtihad does not uh, does not apply to everything in religion right we don't do ijtihad about whether uh, one should whether the uh, fast of ramadan is uh, obligated or not. We don't do ishtihad about whether Hajj is obligated or not, whether the Prophet is God's messenger or not. These are not matters of ishtihad. Matters of ishtihad are those matters that relate to uh, to, to aspects of 
religion that are not clearly and definitively stated in the scripture and the prophetic traditions and so on and so forth. So they say whatever that they are dealing with, these are matters of ishtihad. Maybe they are not, but they will say these are matters of ishtihad. The madhabs, the schools of jurisprudence or theology, the schools in religion, are in opposition with one another in these matters. So there is a difference of opinion between them. Moreover, they are people like us too, i.e. the um, the scholars, the earlier scholars who have developed the uh, madhabs, are people like us too. They can err. This is what the uh, what, this is what those who are claiming parity with the companions and the greater uh, imams of the madhabs are saying, right? So they are people like us too. They can err. In that case, we also do ijtihad like them and worship the way we want to. What obligation do we have to follow them? İşte bu bedbahtlar bu desise-i şeytaniye ile başlarını mezahibin zincirinden çıkarıyorlar. So these unfortunate ones are pulling their heads out of the constraints of the madhabs with those satanic wiles. These are satanic wiles. They are sophistry. It looks like, like there is a logic to them, but it's a false logic. They don't get to the foundations. It starts falsely from the foundations and therefore keeps going in a false way. But um, it appears to be consistent in and of itself and therefore it looks logical. Bunların şu davaları ne kadar çürük, ne kadar esassız olduğu 27. sözde kat'i bir surette gösterildiğinden ona havale ederiz. Since how corrupt and devoid of foundation their claim is, is definitively shown in the 27th word. Here we refer the matter to it, to the 27th word. And of course, we are now at the end of the addendum of the 27th word. We read through the entire treatise and those who have not listened to the beginning of this treatise, inshallah, should go and listen to it from the beginning. Saniyen, o kısım ehli dalalet baktılar ki, müçtehidinlerde iş bitmiyor. Now, secondly, those people of misguidance look and notice that the matter does not come to an end with the müçtehids. They cannot achieve what they want to achieve uh, by claiming parity or attacking the mujtahids alone. Something else is necessary. Onların omuzlarındaki yalnız nazariyatı diniyedir. What, what they carry on their shoulders, that is, uh, what the mujtahids carry on their shoulders, is only the inferential matters of the religion. This is what we just talked about. There are you know, aspects of religion, matters of religion, that are clear and definitively stated in the scripture, in the Quran and the prophetic traditions, and there is no room for inference. There is no room for reasoning about it. We take it as it is given. So what then rests on the shoulders of the mujtahids to figure out as we live and are faced with circumstances in, in, in life is the inferential matters of the religion. This is called nazari, inferential matters of the religion. Halbuki bu kısım ehli dalalet zaruriyat-ı dinyeyi terk ve tahayyir etmek istiyorlar. This group of misguidance, however, want to leave and alter, leave or alter the non-inferential matters of religion. This is zaruriyat, right? The, the clearly stated matters of religion. Onlardan daha iyiyiz deseler meseleleri tamam olmuyor. If they say we are better than them, that is we are better than the mujtehids, 
This does not solve their problem altogether. Çünkü müştehidin nazariyata ve kati olmayan teferruata karışabilirler. Because the müştehids can intervene in inferential matters and non-definite details of, of religion. Again, they want to change the the, the definite matters, non-inferential matters too. Therefore, uh, claiming parity with the mushtahids is not solving their problems. They need to go further in order to change those non-inferential matters of religion too. Halbuki bu mezhepsiz ehli dalalet, zaruriyat-ı diniyede dahi fikirlerini karıştırmak ve kabili tebdil olmayan mesaili tebdil etmek ve kat'i erkan-ı İslamiye'ye karşı gelmek istediklerinden elbette zaruriyat-ı diniyenin hameleleri ve direkleri olan sahabelere inişecekler. Since these madhabless people of misguidance want to interject their ideas into the non-inferential matters of religion, change those matters that are not subject to change otherwise, and raise objections against definitive pillars of Islam, of course they will harass the companions who are the carriers and poles of the non-inferential matters of religion. We learned we learn these daruriyat, we learn these non-inferential matters of religion through the Sahabi, through the companions of the Prophet The Prophet is the source and he learns from Jibreel and from God and God is the lawgiver, ultimate lawgiver in in, in the Sharia. And we, he, he, this religion belongs to God and it, therefore it has to be in the way that God wants. How do we learn? what God wants, we learn it from the Quran and from the Prophet and of course the Prophet is also the conveyor of the Quran. But how do we learn from the Prophet We learn through the companions. Therefore, the non-inferential matters of religion, in order to know them, we rely on the companions. If you want to change those, you have to deal with the companions. You cannot deal with this this kind of stuff at the level of the mushtahis. You have to go to the companions. Hey Hat, değil bunlar gibi insan suretindeki hayvanlar, belki hakiki insanlar ve hakiki insanların en kamilleri olan evliyaların büyükleri, sahabenin küçüklerine karşı müsavat davasını kazanamadıkları gayet kat'i bir surette 27. sözde ispat edilmiştir. So therefore, if you want to interject your ideas in these non-inferential matters of religion, right? You have to be at the level of the companions. You have to have a similar understanding of religion as the companions. You have to claim parity or superiority to them or over them. And Ustad Nursi says, Alas, it is proven in the 27th word in an utmostly definitive way that let alone these animals in human form. So you can understand from this that Ustad Nursi justifiably has become angry at this point. These animals in human form, and that's not a um, that's not necessarily a curse, right? He's actually using logic here because this much uh, corruption of an idea cannot be with the presence of the intellect and human responsibility and therefore one who one who renounces the intellect to such an to such a degree reduces himself to the level of animals so 
let alone these animals in human form, it is proven in the 27th word in an utmost definitive way that let alone these animals in human form, even the true people, so true, genuine, real people, and the greater ones of the saints as the most perfect among the real people cannot win the claim of parity with the lower ranking ones of the companions. Not the higher ranking ones, but not even the lower ranking ones of the companions. A companion is a different category. There are the companions as one category, and then there are all the rest of the humanity as another category, except for the prophets. The companions can be ranked among themselves. We can have ideas about that, right? But we cannot compare apples and oranges. One is apple, the, the other is orange. We cannot think about, we cannot look at the orange and say, this is a better apple, better apple, right? So we can say whether the apple is better or the orange is better, better. And there, of course, the, uh, the, the, the verdict is, has all already passed. The companions, the, let's say the companions are the apple, the apple is better. Right? And then we cannot look at the orange and try to figure out if the orange is a better apple. It is not an apple. It is an orange. Everybody else, and of course we again put the, the, the prophets on the side, the companions are one category and everybody else is another category. The 27th word has proven in an utmost definitive way that let alone these animals in human form even the, the, the real people and the greater ones of the saints as the most perfect among the real people cannot win the claim of parity with the lower ranking, even the lower ranking ones of the companions. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala rasulika allazi qala O God, send blessings and greetings of peace on your messenger who said, لا تسبوا أصحابي لو أنفق أحدكم مثل أحد ذهبا ما بلغ نصف مد من أصحابي who said don't curse don't say bad things about my companions if one of you were to give in charity um, gold as big as the mount Ahud, that would not match half a handful of what my companions have given. And we talked about the logic about uh, of this before. They were the first. They have a share. If you give you know, a mountain size of gold in charity in the, in the way of religion and so on and so forth, those companions who gave a half a handful at the beginning of the matter have a share. In what you give if if they did not give that half a handful at the time that they did you would not be in a position to even consider given giving whatever you are giving now and there are other matters too this is one of the matters that we discussed in relation to to this Sadaqa Rasulullah the messenger of God spoke the truth so alhamdulillah this brings us to the end uh, we completed the 27th word and its addendum. It is an important treatise and there is much need to understand the content of this treatise. Uh, 
uh, in the world that we are living in. May I have conveyed the content of the treaties uh, in, a, in a truthful way to what Ustad Nursi has written and may this be a source of benefit for me and for those who listen to this and for those that we pass, the, pass this on to, inshallah. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka anta al-alimul hakim fa-akhir da'wahum anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha.